When you download the Kroger app, you have easy access to savings every day. Shop weekly sales and get personalized coupons to get the most value out of every trip, every time, whether you shop in-store or online. Download the Kroger app now to save big. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Must have a digital account to redeem offers. Restrictions may apply. See site for details. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk About It. This is Taylor, your host, and I hope you're all having a fantastic week. I know things in the world just continue to change. Um, and if you've been following along with the podcast, if you've subscribed to the podcast, then you know that we are just finishing up a biracial series, which was so, so freaking exciting and healing and literally all the feelings to to create, to participate in, to share. Uh, I've loved, loved hearing from some of you all about your own experiences with being biracial. And I realize there's a lot to expand on that, on, on that topic. And um, I'm definitely wanting to cover more around being mixed race as well and not just being black and white. Um, you know, this series was specific to being black and white because that's my background. And you all have asked a lot of questions around this. Um, and I do think it is a specific mix that is like extra polarizing these days and has a history of being very, very polarizing and is also a huge, um, it's a huge factor within colorism, right? And, and how, how we experience white supremacy in our, in our systems, um, so super, super appreciate your support in the biracial series. And I realize there are several folks from Bachelor who are half black, half white, who were not able to make it for that series of recordings. And if y'all are interested, I can definitely do some more episodes, including the folks who weren't able to make those recording times, uh, because I would also love to share their stories as well. And it's also kind of fun too, because I'm like getting to know other people um, in Bachelor world uh, that I get along with and that I have shared similar experiences with. Um, so it, it could be fun. It, it could be coming. It could be coming in the future. I always try to cover a variety of things on here. So... <laughs> Um, don't want to saturate it too much with all one thing. Uh, but today's episode is going to be quite different from what we've had the last four weeks with the biracial series. Uh, today, I'm going to answer a bunch of your questions around sex and relationships. And this is kind of a little bit of like a sneak peek here into uh, what I'm doing on my Patreon page, um, where I'm doing a monthly sex and relationship Q&A. Uh, next week, I'm starting my PhD program in clinical sexology, which just feels so wild to even say out loud. Uh, but I'm very, very excited to be sharing along with you. You all. So at least one episode a month uh, will be around what I'm learning and hopefully I'll be able to have some of the instructors um, at the program at Modern Sex Therapy Institute on with me as well. So stay tuned for all of that. Uh, also in this episode, um, I'm so, so excited to share with y'all that we're doing a partnership with Plan B. So Let's let's honestly let's get get right into it. I know. I mean, let's talk about it. I guess 
so cheesy. All right. The following segment of Let's Talk About It with me, your host, Taylor Nolan, is sponsored by Plan B One Step Emergency Contraception. I am beyond thrilled, y'all, to share some information, some facts, debunk some myths all around Plan B. This is one of my most exciting favorite partnerships I think I've ever been able to be a partner of. And I really, really, really want to encourage all of you listeners to really feel empowered in making these very important sexual health decisions to be educated and to just increase that feeling of empowerment and to be educated around this, right? Like We need more of that. Uh, I don't know if any of you can relate to this, but I recently had an experience where I needed to talk to my partner about potentially using emergency contraception. Uh, we talked it over and shared our experiences with it together, which not only helped grow our connection, but also just helped to reduce this stigma associated with purchasing and taking emergency contraception. And in an instance when you have unprotected sex or if your primary birth control method fails, falls through, uh, I think it's important to know that you have options, right? You got options, that it's okay, that there's no shame in purchasing this, that there's no shame in accessing emergency contraception. I've had situations with friends, you know, traveling, say in New York and having unprotected sex and afterwards getting a little scared and getting a little paranoid and, you know, not really knowing what to do. And that's when I'm like, all right, time to go to the pharmacy because we can go get plan B. Like we need to get to the store. We need to get you some plan B and I'm going to be with you throughout it. Uh, We're going to go get it. Like there's no shame in this. We have choices here. We have decisions that we can easily make. So I want to share just a bit of information around plan B so that y'all have a little bit more education on what your choices are and how it works. So plan B one-step emergency contraception helps prevent pregnancy, okay? Helps prevent pregnancy before it starts by temporarily delaying ovulation. So the release of an egg from the ovary, right? So if there's no egg, there's no fertilization, no pregnancy. And plan B must be taken within 72 hours after unprotected sex or if your primary birth control method falls through. The sooner you take it, the better it works. So it's not just the morning after pill, right? But maybe like the morning after, after. (laughs) But again, the sooner you take it, the better it's going to work. So right afterwards when you feel like, "Mm, we might need some emergency contraception, boom, a trip to to the store, you're good to go. And plan B will not harm an existing pregnancy and it will not impact your ability to get pregnant in the future. So plan B only stays in your body for a short amount of time and you can continue taking regular birth control right away after taking plan B or you can start a new birth control uh, routine if you don't already have one. And this is the biggest piece I really want you to take away from this, okay? In any state in the U.S., you can purchase plan B right off the shelf at all major retailers, wait for it, without a prescription, without ID. There's no age requirement. So this is a myth that I feel is the most 
prominent when I speak with friends and family and even clients around Plan B. There was a recent study conducted by uh, Foundation Consumer Healthcare, the makers of Plan B, and they found a few statistics around this myth in particular that I really wanted to share with y'all. So they found that 69% of adults believe that there are some state restrictions on emergency contraceptive access. Nope. Y'all wrong. It is easily accessible. You do not. (laughs) It also found that 62% of adults believe there's an age restriction for purchasing Plan B. Mm Mm-mm. Nope. No age requirement. It also found that 55% of adults believe you need to ask a pharmacist to purchase emergency contraception at a drugstore or at a pharmacy. And y'all, that's false. That's false, false, false. You do not need a prescription. And I feel like this this is is a big one. The fact that 55% of adults believe that you have to talk to a pharmacist and knowing that there might be a barrier for someone, right? Experiencing shame or feeling confused or just feeling shy, right? Or embarrassed perhaps that that might be a barrier to them being able to make the decisions that that they want to make with their body. So again, in any state in the US, you can purchase Plan B right off the shelf at all major retailers without a prescription, without ID, and there's no age requirement. And all women, you should always read the label before you take it. You know, follow the instructions. <laughs> One of the things that I've learned throughout this partnership with them and doing further research on Plan B is the fact, just like actually how it works, <laughs> right? By temporarily delaying ovulation. I'm not really sure what I thought. <laughs> I think that maybe, uh, you know, it just like killed the sperm or something. But learning how it actually works has been really, really, really helpful for me and helped me to feel empowered and knowing that I can continue on, you know, having sex. <laughs> it is just so, so, so important to be an informed consumer in all things, but especially related to your sexual health and to your reproductive health as well. And I think honestly, it's empowering to have a plan A birth control method and to be educated on plan B, a backup birth control option that helps me feel more confident and less anxious around sex, right? There's already all these things that just getting to have sex in the first place can can kind of create anxiety. The last thing, the last thing we want is to then also feel this anxiety after sex and knowing and being informed about plan B, how it works, how I can get it helps really lessen any of that anxiety around sex and my sexual health and my reproductive health. You know, things happen, right? (laughs) Sex happens and it's totally okay to need emergency contraception. And I hope that y'all feel a little bit more empowered or at least have a sense of empowerment after hearing this segment and becoming a little bit more informed and a little bit more educated on plan B. Hopefully you've learned something new. I know I definitely did. (laughs) And I'm super, super thankful and excited about this partnership. So with all of that said... This segment of Let's Talk About It with Taylor Nolan has been sponsored by Plan B One Step Emergency Contraception. And you can visit www.planb1step.com for more information on Plan B and where to access it. 
So please head on over to planb1step.com and do a little bit more research. See where you can access it in your community. Share it with your friends. Share this segment with your friends. Again, I think when it comes to sexual health and helping reduce the shame surrounding all things sex, that the more we talk about it, the less shame there will be. So thank you all so much for listening to this segment. And I hope again that you've learned something wonderful. All right, that concludes this segment. Thank you all so much for tuning in and listening to this portion of the podcast. And now we can get back to the show where we're going to do a little Q&A, little sex and relationship question and answer. Whoop, whoop. Okay. So this is the whole rest of this episode. If you haven't, if you couldn't already tell, it's going to be a solo episode. So we're just hanging out, the two of us. Um, so these are questions that y'all submitted. And honestly, they're all fantastic. Um, so let's just get started. Let's just get right on into it. First question. I'd like some advice on how to get mentally stimulated. I've tried to get down and dirty with multiple partners and no success because even though my body physically responds, I still feel like I'm not mentally aroused. I feel like if I were to ask you if you could relate to this, raise your hand. (laughs) And if I were in a crowd of people, that like almost everyone would raise their hands. (laughs) Um, not sure how to do that in a podcasting format, but, <laughs> but y'all get what I'm saying. So first it's totally normal and totally common and totally okay to struggle with this. Sometimes, uh, your body certainly can physically be reacting and you mentally still not have made that connection. And one of the things I would kind of encourage you on is if you aren't, uh, feeling like mentally present to not have to continue with whatever sexual act you're participating in. If you're in the midst of that or you're starting that and you're really not there and you're not feeling safe and you're not feeling comfortable, you have every right, right? This is, this is basic consent, right? And I really want to encourage y'all to participate in enthusiastic consent. Okay. Let's step it up a notch. So instead of just agreeing to a sexual interaction, how about we like want, right? We desire it. We're excited about it, right? That's enthusiastic consent. I want this and I am going to participate in it. (laughs) So that's kind of first step there, right? Uh, sometimes for some people, you know, you might feel like, oh, once you start a little bit, then you'll get in the headspace, right? Okay. And if that works for you, then that works for you. Um, one thing I would kind of encourage you to check in with yourself on is if you feel safe, if you emotionally feel safe in this sexual, uh, experience with whoever you're with, right? If mentally you're not getting aroused, if you're not getting stimulated, if it's difficult to be present, uh, do you feel safe with this group of people, with this person? Um, And if you're not, that, that might be why. I know I certainly can relate to that where I've been, you know, starting to get or in the midst of being sexually intimate with someone and just feeling like I didn't really have a connection with that person. And so mentally and emotionally, I was kind of checked out. And that's when you got to stop and ask yourself, like, is this the kind of sexual experiences that I want to be having? Do I really want to like 
sit in this and not be enjoying this. Um, so yeah, I would, I would kind of ask yourself that. Am I feeling safe? Um, Another thing I would encourage you in this kind of an example, if you are feeling safe and you are enthusiastically enthusiastically consenting, uh, but still struggling to get mentally aroused, uh, maybe start talking during, right? And maybe this is a conversation that you have with your partner beforehand too, right? Of talking about what you like, talking about what you don't like, but perhaps with a little bit of verbal back and forth that can mentally start to stimulate you, right? If you're asking your partner, um, you know, does this feel good for you? You know, what feels good for you or communicating, I really want you to do this or have you ever done this? Um, Having that verbal back and forth might kind of get your mind back in the game, right? It might get it to be a little bit more present and connected with that person or people. Um, Another thing uh, that I would encourage you to practice with getting yourself... I know that this listener here put mentally aroused, but I'm also going to assume here that that also means a level of like being present, being like mentally present and stimulated in the experience. So to practice being present in any kind of uh, sexual encounter first, I would encourage you to take it slow. Okay. So that way your brain is able to slowly catch up, right? As opposed to just going boom right into it. Um, If this is from a heteronormative standpoint here, you don't got to go straight to penetration. Okay. That is something I've worked with people on where, you know, you feel like it's hard for you to get mentally in it because just right off the bat, you're going straight into penetrative sex. And by the time you're finished, you're finally like mentally kind of present in it and starting to feel feel good about it, and then it's over. Um, So increasing foreplay, right, and taking it slow, even if this is not penetrative sex, um, of just going slow and really taking your time. And throughout that process, I would certainly encourage you to focus in on touch, right? Maybe you start off with some exercises of uh, kind of playing and exploring each other, right? So uh, maybe you start off, you know, pick some body parts, right? Maybe you say, uh, I want to explore your nipples a bit. And, you know, then I want to explore how it feels to touch your toes. Uh, Maybe it's you asking that asking your partner, you know, um, can we kind of go body part by body part and go slow into this? And as they're touching you, really get focused in on that, right? Maybe it's watching them. Maybe it's watching. Maybe it's closing your eyes and really focusing in on where they're touching you or where you're touching them. And breathing. (laughs) I think that's one thing, uh, overall in life that we kind of forget to do sometimes intentionally that can really help bring us into the present moment. And this definitely, definitely applies to sex. So breathing through, you know, even even if you're in the process of making out with someone, right? Still taking deep breaths, focusing on that, um, allowing yourself to just relax as best you can. Um, and The last thing I'll say here on this question is I wonder if there's an element of pressure here. 
um, that physically your body is responding, right? Maybe you're getting erect, maybe you're getting lubricated, uh, maybe you're getting swollen, right? Maybe you're feeling kind of flushed. Um, and mentally, perhaps there's pressure. And this is where I just want to reassure and, and validate all of you listening that sex, unless this is your vibe, is not a performance. This is an experience, okay, that the only expectation here <laughs> should be of safety and pleasure. And to really relieve yourself of any kind of pressure to perform, to orgasm, and to just be present and breathe and feel through each moment. And it might feel a little bit uncomfortable and some things might come up where you're like, oh, that doesn't feel good. (laughs) Or, oh, I don't think I feel as safe with this person as I did. Um, Or, oh, if I'm not performing or just trying to please this person, not thinking about what I'm desiring, then I don't know what to do. Right? So this might spark some other conversations, not only to have with yourself, but also to have with your partner or the people that you're having sex with. Um, so I hope that I hope that, that <laughs> all of those things are in some way helpful for this question of having your body physically respond, but not mentally being aroused while with uh, your partners. So I hope that that helps. And let's move on to the next question because this question... Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> Does the number, y'all know where this is going. Does the number of sexual partners you have had matter? Y'all, this is going to be a whole podcast episode on its own. <laughs> Just kidding. But there's a lot to this. So I personally, think that the emphasis that we put on our sexual number can be really, really damaging. (laughs) And I really wish we could take the focus of what's the number of partners you've been with and instead flip it to like, how frequently do you experience pleasure? And how do you, how have you experienced pleasure in the past, right? And I think it depends here on what people are trying to get out of this question, right? Maybe they're trying to gauge uh, what kind of experiences you've had, right? Maybe they're trying to gauge uh, if this is a relatively new experience for you, right? But there's all these assumptions that are built into that. And I think it requires a much larger conversation other than just the number because I would be very curious as to what this number means to the person that's asking you or to yourself as you're counting (laughs) or keeping track of the sexual partners you've had. So I'll share something personal here. I used to have a limit for myself. (laughs) And, And I will say this question alone is a symptom and a consequence of patriarchy because the reason that this 
question is usually asked is typically towards women to ensure the purity or innocence of her to ensure she hasn't been tainted for a sexual, for a romantic partner, sorry, to take her seriously, which just, oh my goodness, how frustrating is this? (laughs) So knowing that, right, I used to have a limit for myself because I was scared that someone was going to think I had had too many sexual partners or that I had had only had a small amount, so therefore I wasn't going to be good. And there's like so much of this emphasis here, right, on like what I could do for them. <laughs> Patriarchy. Um, rather than like how have I experienced these experiences? So I personally don't think that the number of sexual partners that you've had matters in terms of if you qualify or are a great option for a long-term partnership, right? I do think, personally, I hold more of a standpoint of the more the merrier. As long as these are sexual experiences that you are enthusiastically consenting to, are not causing harm, are experiencing pleasure, uh, are not involving you know animals or children or <laughs> elderly abuse, I think that the more the merrier. Because I, I, I feel so sad for myself when I think back on like the partners that I did have where I wasn't vocal, right? Where I didn't emphasize or put focus on my own experience in this. And instead it was like, oh, if I'm with this, if I'm with them in this way, is that going to make them want me in a partnership? Which is so sad. Um, But if I had actually felt empowered, right, and thought, oh, well, the number of partners doesn't really have matter, but like, can I focus on the quality of partners I'm having? That, oh boy, my sexual experiences would have been so different throughout high school and even grad school. Um, and I think I wouldn't have limited myself, right? I mean, there was even a fear of like staying or sorry, there was a fear of like getting out of a long-term relationship because, oh, well, then I'd have to have sex with someone new. <laughs> then I'd be adding to my number. I had first, I didn't want to go over my hands, right? I didn't want to go over my fingers. And then, oops, <laughs> then I went to my toes and I said, okay, I don't want to go over my toes. And then as I was getting towards the end of my second foot, toes, <laughs> I said, why does this matter to me? Why does this matter to me? And if your partner is asking you this, I would ask them, why does this matter to you? What makes this an important question for you? What is it that you want to know from the response to this question? And then when I really thought about it, I then had to ask myself, okay, where does this come from? Patriarchy. Then asking myself, do guys ever ask, like, do they get asked this question? And I will say that that there are times, right, where that is asked. And unfortunately in our culture, the, the dialogue is actually switched here, right? Where 
I mean, Lil' Kim said it best in, uh, what was it? Can't Hold Us Down, Christina Aguilera stripped album. Shout out. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh, where she says, <laughs> where she says, um, uh, what did she say? Guy can do the... Oh, I feel like I should just play the song. Uh, basically, she says, um, the guy gets the girl uh, something, but the girl does the same and she's a whore. Uh, something along those lines. <laughs> Y'all know what part I'm talking about, okay? Don't make me rap it. Um, and it, yeah, it was that like this inner culture, it's like more celebrated for men, right? To go out and, and get the girls, right? And that that builds him up. But then I was like, well, why can't that be the case for me? And I don't want to be having these experiences that are meaningless. And that does not mean casual, okay? Because you can still have very meaningful casual sex, but that I didn't want this to be experiences where I was just having sex uh, and not being fully present in it and my partner not being fully present in it. So then I had to get really specific, right? Into asking myself, okay, if I'm going to focus on the number, then I should at least be giving this number some like serious quality assurance, (laughs) So there's so much more I can say on this and I want to make sure we answer the other two questions. But yeah, the number of sexual partners that you've had, uh, whether you are man, woman, other, not, whatever, it doesn't matter. (laughs) The number right? There's no shame in having a high number. There's no shame in having a low number. I hope you can focus more on the quality and the pleasure that you are experiencing and what you're learning about yourself and your partner throughout these sexual experiences. Because that information is way more important and way more valuable and tells you so much more than the number does, right? So let's switch the conversation more to that. If you're asking yourself this question or if a partner is asking you this question, let's switch it. Let's switch up that dialogue. That's all I'll say on that one for now. So our next question What do you do with lingerie after a long-term monogamous relationship? We were together for seven years. He was my first love, first sexual partner, and most of my lingerie was purchased with him in mind or helping pick it out. I don't necessarily want to get rid of it because I purchased it all, but it makes me sad. I tried some on tonight to try and feel sexy and tune in with my sexuality, but it made me remember why I bought each piece birthdays, Valentine's Day, etc. So I got to say, first, yeah, it sucks because you paid for all of it. So you don't want to get rid of it. I feel that girl. I'm like, "Mm, this is expensive sometimes. So you don't want to get rid of it. That's totally valid. Um, And your feelings of feeling sad in this are also so, so valid because that carries a lot of sentimental value, right? It's no longer just this item that helps, you know, connect you with your sexuality or make you feel sexy. Um, it's connected to some pretty deep feelings and memories. And that can be really, really hard. Uh, you know, this 
it might not be something that you need to get rid of. However, if it's making you feel really sad and it's making you kind of go back towards these memories that maybe you're not in the best place to to sit with, uh, that it's okay to put them in a box, right? And put them under your bed, put them in your closet, put them in your storage unit, wherever it is. Uh, it just might not be time right now to revisit that. Uh, I'm I'm in a similar boat as, as you. I have, uh, there's a few pieces of, of lingerie of my own that, that definitely feels the same. And, you know, this is after like my three-year uh, monogamous relationship and... Uh, some of it is still in his box. I can't be the only person that had like boxes for each X uh, with like memories in it. <laughs> this might be the cancer coming out on me. That's like, I'm so sentimental. Like these are memories, but I also don't want it in my day-to-day life. Um, but yeah, there's definitely some pieces that are still in that in those boxes. And there's others that now I do wear. And I think for me, as time went on, it became more my items that the memories did start to fade and and when they would come up you know i'm on very good terms with that this in particular ex and so if anything i look back on it now with with fondness and um gratitude for that relationship um but now just might not be a good time for you um and in this, girl, I know it's kind of expensive, but I would maybe look into getting some new stuff. And I would also highly encourage folks, even in long-term relationships here, that when you do buy lingerie, that it doesn't have to exclusively be for your partner, right? If that floats your boat, go for it, boo. But there's you're also totally entitled to get it for yourself because you feel good in it, Right. Um, and, and maybe over time, you know, as, as more time goes by after this seven year relationship for you, you might feel like, you know what? Yeah, these were my items and I bought them because I wanted to make my partner feel special. And this says X, Y, Z about me and how I feel in this when I'm with me is X, Y, Z and can kind of focus in on that. And it might take time and that's totally okay. I would be very gentle with yourself on this because lingerie, right? Picking out these uh, sexy items to be sexy for your partner, for your first sexual partner, um, that's that's very, very memorable, right? That's very emotional. Um, so I'd be very gentle with yourself on this. Um, yeah. That's a that's a tough one, but um, sending you all the positive vibes, and would also definitely encourage you to follow along on my Instagram because I will have some deals for lingerie for you soon. Because I feel you that this is expensive, <laughs> so I'm trying to help you all out. Um, all right, let's get to our last question here. When I was in college, I had a couple of sex relationships that emotionally destroyed me. I was always seeking something more and they weren't. When the last one left, I could not stop crying and we didn't even know each other very well. It just felt like he used me for sex. 
got what he wanted, and then left. And I've never been able to have that type of relationship since. I was in my early 20s and I just turned 30. Since then, I've had a long-term relationship, but I'm now single. Do you have any advice for someone that may be looking for a sex relationship and not want to get hurt from it? So there's a lot here. Um, It can be so hard when you're wanting more from a relationship that you're being sexually intimate with and the other person doesn't. That that absolutely would create an environment that you don't feel emotionally safe in to where that could emotionally destroy you. Um, the, the thing I want to encourage you on and, and all of the listeners here is when you do start engaging in a sexual relationship with someone let them know what your expectations are. Let them know what it is you're looking for. If that's flexible, then totally share that. Be like, you know, I'm looking for a long-term relationship, but I'm also like, you know, kind of flexible to just make sure that I feel safe in this relationship and that we have consistency and that helps me feel emotionally safe, which helps make me feel more comfortable to be open sexually with you. Um... Maybe it's saying, you know, I'm really just looking for, you know, something casual here. Uh, but, you know, I'm also open-minded to knowing that we might develop feelings for each other and I might want something different in a few months. Um, maybe it's hard. <laughs> it is, I'm looking for a romantic relationship. And if you don't want that, then we are not going to go down this road, right? Um, so getting specific about what it is that you're looking for. And it, it sounds like you kind of knew that you were seeking something more and that, that they weren't. And like I said earlier from the uh, numbers question, I definitely thought, I mean, this was like as a teenager and like you said, this was in your early 20s. Um, after my first sexual partner, after my first boyfriend, I thought that if someone was going to be sexually intimate with me, that that meant that they really cared about me and then they would want to be with me. So I thought (laughs) if I open up sexually and if we have this sexual relationship, then they're going to want to see me again and again and again and again and again and then we'll be in a relationship. (laughs) And I think that's... I mean, I look back on it now again with some sadness here. And I think, man, if only I had felt more empowered in myself to communicate what I really wanted from that person, right? Of, I want you to show that you care about me. I want to see you consistently. And instead feeling like the ball was in their court, right? Like you said, you felt like you got used for sex, that he got what he wanted, and then he left. And girl, I don't want you to be in that position, I don't want you to feel like that unless you enjoy being used for sex, right? Unless that's your thing and you're like, use me for my holes. That turns me on. Doesn't sound like that's the situation. But yeah, you don't want to feel used. So I really want to encourage you to like speak up for yourself and to really like be clear with yourself. If this person isn't treating you in a way that makes you feel respected, that makes you feel safe, that makes you feel cared for, 
guess what? They don't get to come in the party. That party is your vagina. They don't get to come in. Mm-mm. If they're not going to follow the house rules, if they're not going to, you know, knock on the door and wait till they're let in, you know, if they're just going to barge on in that door, that's not how it works. You deserve better than that. You have a valuable house in there. That is just, I don't know where I'm going with this, <laughs> with this metaphor here, but um, it's, it's not a good feeling to feel used for sex. And my advice for you for looking for a sex relationship uh, and not wanting to get hurt from it is to really be specific with yourself and your partner. So what does it mean for you to get hurt from a sex relationship? What kind of boundaries do you need in order to have a sex relationship without getting hurt? And this is, I mean, I, I, I've shared a bit about Toronto Lover <laughs> and it, it did start out as a sex relationship, 100%. And I've had other sex relationships. Maybe I should speak on that one instead of Toronto Lover. <laughs> um, but the, there's, a, so there's a man in Seattle that I've had a sex relationship with. And some of the boundaries that, that I put in place um, to ensure that I didn't get hurt. And for me, getting hurt might look similar for you. But for me, getting hurt from that relationship would have felt like an assumption that he could have me whenever he wanted me, um, an assumption that, uh, or I guess more of like a, a boundary sort of thing, uh, would be that we essentially would only get together at nighttime. <laughs> um, we had a scenario where, you know, he was trying to take me out to, to dinner and we were kind of at dinner and it seemed like he was kind of trying to make it a date. And I was like, this isn't really what I want from him. And then I just straight up communicated like, did you feel like we had to go like to have dinner together before we could have sex? And he was kind of like, well, I mean, like I I wanted to hang out with you, you know? And like, yeah, I thought like, you know, that that would be nice. And, and I was just kind of like, yeah, I mean, it totally is nice, but like, we don't need that. You know, I don't, I'm not looking to like date you. Uh, I just really enjoy like ravaging each other. (laughs) So communicating specifically what your needs are with that person, I think help you to not get hurt. Um, you know, with with Toronto Lover, um, and I've kind of shared this a bit in, in the past here too, that that, that starts as, started as sexcation, right? And along the way, I had to be really honest with myself and with my feelings. And I think that this is kind of the tricky part of wanting to have an exclusively sexual sexual relationship with someone who you also genuinely think you might be interested in dating long term um, is this assumption that you have to not have feelings for that person in order to just have a sex relationship. So again, boundaries might be slightly blurred there that might feel really uncomfortable. You might feel like, I don't know how to freaking do that. Like I either have to have feelingless sex for it to be exclusively a sex relationship. Um, otherwise it's not going to work <laughs> and that's totally okay. But then I think you're going to need to check in with yourself and ask like, 
what are your needs in this in order to maintain that and to then communicate that. And if it isn't upheld by that partner, then boo, that's on you. That's all on you to uphold if that's not working for you. If you're feeling used by this person that you're having a sex relationship with and you communicate around that and they're still continuing that behavior that's making you feel that way, that's going to be up to you to no longer, excuse me, to no longer engage in that relationship. So, oh, that was a good one. That was a good question. I sincerely hope that the responses that I've uh, given to these questions, both with some personal experiences that maybe I hope we all can relate to on some level, um, but also just kind of some actual tips for going about this kind of uh, different kind of, you know... (laughs) sex and relationships topics. Um, I hope it's been helpful for y'all. And I'm definitely going to be continuing um, answering Q&As around sex and relationships on my Patreon page. So y'all can check that out. But um, I like honestly love doing this and I love like actually getting some specific details from y'all about what it is you are experiencing. And as I'm going along my PhD program, I'm definitely going to be sharing more and more around sex and relationships. And y'all, I could not be more excited (laughs) and like mind blown that we had a partnership with Plan B on this episode. Can you believe that? (laughs) I feel like this is one of my moments of like, I feel like I made it. Uh, I couldn't say more positive things about this brand and this product. So I really do hope that y'all share this episode and that, uh, you know, leave a review, leave a star rating, um, check out Plan B. Please, please, please remember you have options. Um, And I just hope that this podcast is continuing to, and if not, is starting to feel like a safe space for you to learn about your sexual health, about sexual pleasure, uh, and that you can feel empowered listening to this. I honestly, sincerely hope that the guests that I have on, that the things that I share about my personal life and about my education and the things I'm learning and already know are like valuable or helpful and um, are also relatable because I just, I really do care about this community so much. And I really, really love being able to do this. And it's kind of scary to actually start like branding yourself in a specific way. Uh, But it is so in alignment with my values and like with my personality and my interests. So it feels so authentic, but it it is a shift. And so I'm so thankful. Sorry, that was a little dramatic of a so. Uh, But I'm very, very, very thankful for those of you that have continued along this whole, quote, journey (laughs) with me. Uh, It really does mean a ton and I don't take it for granted. And I'm just so appreciative of y'all. And this episode feels like very, very big for me. So (laughs) thank you for all of your support. And thank you so much for listening. Y'all are the absolute best listeners ever. Hey, 
Kroger, we know the minute a tomato is picked, the fresh timer starts. The sooner we get our produce to you, the fresher it is. That's why we've shortened the time from harvest to home for our tasty tomatoes, strawberries, and salads. So no matter how you shop, you have more time with your fresh produce. Kroger, fresh for everyone. And now, shop what you love and save $2 on each participating item when you buy three or more with your card. Kroger, fresh for everyone.